All right, welcome to Awakened Wednesday. This is episode 33 of Defy the Norm podcast. And today, I'm doing the Awakened Web uh, Awaken Wednesday episode with Gabby and Isabel, and I have an exciting yet sometimes hard thing to talk about today. Uh, we're going to go dive into shame and worthiness, and as much as sometimes it's like, Ugh, I don't want to go there, it's something that no matter what Enneagram you are, you battle with it in some form. And so these guys uh, really have some very good insight into how they overcome it because, you know, as teenagers or young adults you you probably experience even more of this and as an adult we had that but we just block it so it's not to say that teenagers experience it more i think they're just become uh they're more aware of it and as we become adults and we put on more responsibility we we bury it into our subconscious even though it's totally there and it's something that's affecting how we live our lives so here we go let's dive into it To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Welcome to Awaken Wednesday. So, uh, Gabby and Isabel, thank you for joining me today. It was hard to walk across the hallway from one bedroom to the next. Yeah. It's funny how we communicate via text, even though we live in the same house now. <laughs> yeah, I wake up, I'm like, hey, I want to do the Awaken Wednesday with you guys today. Is that okay? And they're like, text me back, yeah, okay. And is, uh, Tati's sitting next to me. She's like, mom, you couldn't just walk across the hallway and ask him. I'm like, nah. <laughs> it, feels, it feels like more like business-like. Yeah, it feels so professional. It probably <laughs> helps our worthiness. <laughs> Or maybe not. So worthiness. Um, one of the worthiness is a very big topic for us in our in our personal dialogue, anyways, because it's something that um, even before being entrepreneurs, I think, right in our personal life with travel, it was something we talked about feeling worthiness because of uh, whether it was rejection from family for being outsiders or rejection from peers. Do you think right before we even yeah. talked about it on a business mm -hmm. standpoint, how did how did we like kind of become mindful of this element? Well, I think what's funny more because, you know, I'm in the process of trying to outline that um, the book I'm working on and it's crazy to me to realize how long that period of becoming aware took. It really took me at least, and, may, and this might have been faster for you because I was just so young at the time, but it took me four years to even come to the conclusion that that was the emotion that I was feeling. That, because it took, where was 14 when we moved into the RV, and yeah, you're t we had the you know, rejection from um, family members, from friends, but it didn't even, I didn't even notice that it would be rejection for four years. Yeah, and I think because of my natural wiring as a type eight, that because I was so intuitive about this is I'm just gonna do because of uh, it just sounds right to me and I don't really like look for permission or necessarily that there was a lag before I realized oh wait subconsciously I really hate this feeling of rejection yeah I go do but like deep down it really hurt me to think like oh I'm not worthy of 
their affection. I'm not worthy of their acceptance because I'm choosing to just live in alignment with what seems right at the time. Right. And what another thing is that was interesting about it is because I think for a long time we did put it off as something that um, we weren't as aware of our subconscious mind back then. I think that was really only in the last two years that we become aware of how the subconscious functions in our mindfulness. Um, and so then at the time we were more just in the conscious state of mindfulness where we were like, um, am I happy and am I fulfilled on the conscious level? Am I doing what makes me happy every single day? Am I pursuing my goals and my, my dreams, my passions? And because those things were fulfilled on the surface level, um, you don't realize that there's a lot that's happening underneath the surface like you just said. To add to that, it was um, the function, you, you almost opened Pandora's box. It was the function of like taking that first step and finding happiness fulfillment, excitement. It's that, it's that first mountain peak that you summit and you stand on top of the mountain and you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to explain this. This is just amazing, unfathomable. I wish I could describe it to somebody else, but they have to experience it themselves. That triggers um, us, at least the three of us, we went from that moment to like, I want more. There's more mountain peaks figuratively and um, like, intangible mountain peaks that we wanted to achieve more but then it was in that pursuit of achieving more whether it was through our business achieving more through travel achieving more through sports that that's where you hit more roadblocks and as you start pushing the envelope of what you want what you desire what you hope to achieve you start to realize there's a point where yeah maybe that first trip was easy to book maybe that first mountain wasn't so much elevation gain but all of a sudden you you're like okay at some point you have to address the roadblock that's keeping you from that next mountain peak yes for sure and um the other thing i was going to say about it is that we can easily at this point correlate fulfillment with shame like we just jumped all those steps in our own minds but i think a lot of people don't understand how those are connected so yeah, when we true. say that we're, we're we are so fulfilled that we essentially compensates for the shame or the the worthiness it's because and we can look at this from like the philosophical perspective of um of chakras and the vedic philosophy that you know the sacral chakra is the second chakra and it represents your enjoyment of life, your joie de vivre, and that includes worthiness, um, vulnerability, and self, self-worth, of course. So um, in that process, I said uh, joie de vivre, right? So if you, I think of it like a scale, a balance on a scale, and as long as you fulfill one of them, it's okay if your other one is lower, or not necessarily lower, but it, it creates balance in all of it if you just fill one cup higher. Okay. Don't you think? Yes. So by creating fulfillment and enjoyment in your life, you don't feel this sense of um, lack of self-worth because it creates your self-worth. When you enjoy your life, you're living in a place where you're um, in the fullest expression of who you are. When you're in the fullest expression of who you are, you think, oh, I'm a pretty cool person because I just enjoy being myself in this mode of being. And then you're no longer looking to the external world to um, create your self-worth for you because you're like, wait, I just like enjoyed my life and I was who I was and this felt, I felt like I was enough even though nobody else was telling me that. Ooh, this is good. So as you're saying that, all I'm thinking is like how much I've like learned to, uh, harmonize my crown chakra and it's exactly what you're saying at least for me it was this like i was so money pura driven i was so like i'm just gonna go do it i and as long as i'm fulfilling my own tank and and it's like literally if money's not an object 
then I just keep doing me, doing me, doing me. But the fact is, is like Crown Chakra reminds you that your inner, the, the importance of interconnectedness. And so even if it's not so much that, hey, I can't create a business without other people, like as far as employees and consumers and um, providing service for people, that there's an interconnectedness even in the world. Like there's only so long you can just go do you. So initially you can fill that cup about all about you, all about you, all about you. And I'm fulfilled. I'm, I'm doing this. But then there's this point where, at least for me, that I was like, it has to be about more than just me. And as soon as it's about more than just me, I realized, oh, wait, there's some self-limiting beliefs that's keeping me from, from integrating in the world. And I mean, I was telling this on the Monday podcast about trust or uh, another podcast or about trusting people. Like there's, it's weird how like to trust people, you actually have to kind of like address your own worthiness. Well, yeah, I think, and we talked about this in one of the videos we did on Making Mindfulness Fun recently, we did that chakra series and we were talking about heart chakra and heart chakra really correlates to the sacral chakra. And I was saying how, um, you know, I was reflecting on the journey that we've experienced over the last six years and how in, you know, living here, um, being rooted for a little while and not having the distraction of people because all our life we've actually have been surrounded by a lot of social environments. This is the first time in our life we've actually had to be, um, you know, detached, true, introver- true introverts, introverts in but like um, um, truly face the fact that, oh, I don't, I'm actually kind of rejected from society in a certain way and of course like you know the other aspects of mindfulness um helps us overcome that but anyway in the process i self-reflected on how oh wow i feel like i can't forgive people and then i started thinking okay why can't i forgive people and then of course it comes back to that sense of oh people rejected me and there's of course a sense of anger um but in that sense of anger i was like okay well how can i overcome i don't want to be an angry person i need to forgive them and i started thinking about why i couldn't forgive them and to forgive someone, you have to first come back to your own sense of worthiness. Because if you're still coming from a place where I'm not worthy, then you're going to hold on to that anger. And so, I mean, I feel like I've finally come to a place where I'm able to start forgiving people, even though it's not like anyone did you wrong. Right. No one did you wrong. It's actually everything. I mean, I always say this when in my Instagram and everything, but everything in your life is a, is about your perception of reality. It's not like anyone did any one thing. It's all, it's all you. So if you don't, if you are mad at other people, what, what is that saying about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And like, isn't that, don't they say for the sacral chakra, that isn't that where the self meets the world? And so that's basically, I'm now basically reiterating just what you said, because you took the words out of my mouth. But like, yeah, we don't realize how much our sacral chakra and our self-worth is controlling our perception of reality and how is human nature to perceive things as interaction with us, not as in interaction with other things, as interconnectedness of being part of a bigger picture. We see it as how does it affect me? And so if we're always in that perspective of looking for self-worth, because when we're interacting with other things as a perception of how is it affecting me, it's about is it, am I worthy? It's all coming back to, to that sacral chakra. And I didn't notice that I never thought really worthiness was something I struggled with because I just thought like, oh, worthiness, that's like, it's like what Thor has or something. <laughs> that's like the uh, whatever. But then I realized later on that that was something that I struggled with or that's something that I was always looking for was a sense of interacting with people and thinking, am I worthy? And I was always looking at it just as an interaction with world and me, not just as interconnectedness, always acting from a place of I'm not worthy, I need worth. 
And so when you change that, it changes how you literally interact with everything in life. And it changes so much on an even deeper level what you manifest into your reality. Because once you see that, oh, I'm worthy, you start interacting with other people from an extremely, totally different perspective and outlook. And you interact with your how things happen to you from such a different way. You approach life with so much more acceptance with um, a sense of confidence and groundedness that changes so much how your everyday life feels. So I was thinking how uh, people, when I interview people for the podcast, they always come uh, out being surprised that, what, you're an introvert? You're, you seem so extroverted. And I was thinking about my own journey because in episode one of this podcast, I did say how like I was very... I definitely struggled with self-worth and it would help that when I met my husband, he helped me uh, draw out of that. But I, um, I, I'm probably perceived as overly confident, but that's because I've already worked on a lot of reflection on how I choose um, to perceive the world. I choose, I have to go through a lot of mindfulness or mindset training to be like, no, I have value. I'm operating out of a good place. And so I choose to enter the world with a lot of confidence, even though there's a total inner dialogue going on like, oh, what if they reject me? What if, what if I'm not good enough? What if, I mean, self-doubt is like my constant uh, battle internally. And so I thought like you're saying is that we, our perception is, is whatever we choose to see it as, right? And so I just, I guess that journey for me has been like, okay, well, I'm, yes, I'm acknowledging I feel this, I feel this, but I'm choosing to, the video camera rolls, the microphone turns on, whatever that thing is, the the computer's on and I'm writing that blog to, to step into um, that space of like, no, I have a purpose here. I have something to offer. Um, I'm not going to worry about that judgment, but I think what we're trying to say is like, that's not necessarily easy for people oh, to no, do. Oh, no, for sure. I think, it, I think it's a very long process. And... I think it's one of the more um, negative personal uh, personal awareness experiences because um, you can talk about money per. Let's say you're going to reflect on um, your solar plexus type of mindfulness journey because there's kind of like different phases of your mindfulness yeah. journey. And let's say you're on the, that solar plexus one and you're like, okay, well, what do I really want in life? That can be a very positive self-reflection process. You might be like, well, first, I don't know what I want. That would be like, you know, kind of worst case scenario. People are like, I don't know what I want. That's usually. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody in that scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but generally, if I'm, someone's like struggling with that, it's because they don't. But like the positive thing is like, oh, guess what? You have to dream bigger so hard. So when you deal with self-worth, you're like, well, why do you not feel like you're enough? You have to deal with a very negative version of your shadow that does not feel good. Yeah, it's like when you're doing the many prayer journey, it's like recognizing your inner like angels and spirit guides, whereas like facing self-worth is like embracing your demons. <laughs> and like you said, it's a teeter-totter or um, what do you call scale. it? A scale, scale, a tipping scale. Um, that if you do struggle with what do I want, then you just draw in to be like, well, what do I love about myself? What do I want to, what's one little aspect of myself that I could share with the world more of? Yeah. Or vice versa. If you do know what you want, then sometimes stepping into that desire more and more and whether you surround yourself with vision boards or um, you're writing, manif doing manifestation um, journals or meditations, things like that, then maybe 
Don't you think? Like you right. can start drawing more of that self-worth. Whereas, or I was going to say, that's like money per, and then self-worth is like, okay, well, what don't you love about yourself? And mm-hmm. so that's much more um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so I had to, I thought of, um, Gabby made a really good Instagram post about this before, about um, like how you rewrite the story in your head or the pump. So I wanted to like get some insight about like what the pump up talk is that you're playing in your head because when we go mountain biking we have this thing that uh we are mediocre mountain bikers at best, at best. not only Just that at best. <laughs> we are um we've never had much money to put into uh spend on mountain biking and so we don't have great bikes and we don't have great gear and we're just not that good and so we get passed all the time and we we always turn to each other and laugh and like but the thing is we actually get passed on just on the downhill we'll like pass people on the uphill because we're like oh yeah you know we can go all day but we're like the slowest downhillers you've ever seen and I always look at her and go it's the gear it's the gear and then what do I say I'm like oh it's the suspension (laughs) yeah they have full suspension and so we joke about it like you know we're making an excuse and in some ways we are making an excuse it's really that we don't put the money or the time into it and part of it's just for fun but i was thinking about that when i was reading your instagram post about like the story you tell in your head because obviously that's the story we're telling when we go mountain biking oh it's their gear it's right it has nothing to do that they have more um skill set or less fear about falling right because uh the the self-worth has so many layers to it and it's like one of those layers is that we can look at is how it's related to the ego. And the ego has multiple different um, perceptions, philosophies, because the ego is not one literal thing. It's not like some location in our brain. So it's a mental construct, but we can associate it with certain areas of the brain. And so I like the, the way that I heard it that the ego is what lies within our amygdala and it's responsible, you know, in the amygdala, it tracks our memories. It's highly associated with remembering things about our past. And so because of its location, it is responsible for detecting threat and protecting us and making sure that we are not, that we don't have any life-threatening experiences. And also within that, I think about how the ego is wants to make sure, it wants to keep us safe. It just wants to keep us surviving. But at one time, that role used to be that it actually had to protect us from danger. It it actually had to protect us probably from serious threat in our lives. But as our society has evolved, so has the forms of threat we have in our daily lives. Sure, there's threat occasionally, but for the most part, we really don't live very dangerous lives. And so the, the ego also evolved within our primal brain. And so now it perceives social rejection as equivalent to death. It, it's not, um, and this is, this is a primal brain instinct of the way that the ego has evolved or the way that our, the amygdala has evolved. And so that's why, um, so now the ego's role is to protect us from feelings of social rejection because social rejection equals death in our minds. And that's why it, our minds, our internal beings work so hard to protect us from feelings of unworthiness because unworthiness equates death and it will one of the ways that it does that is by telling ourselves stories because by telling ourselves stories we can protect ourselves from that feeling of not being worthy and so that was what the post is all about that you're referring to that i made the post on um and so we can tell ourselves two different types of stories we can tell ourselves victimizing stories or um 
very narcissistic type stories. And so those narcissistic type stories are very much uh, the ones that we can easily distinguish in other people that we make fun of as, you know, narcissistic. The person who who does something and then talks so grandiose about themselves, like, I did this, I did this, I'm so great. And, you know, it's, it's recognizable in other people, but we have to notice it within ourselves. But I think the more sly one, the one that's harder to pinpoint is the one that victimizes ourselves, and, and both of these types of stories can be verbal but I think for the most part in most of us it's it's an internal dialogue that's not spoken and that's why it's so hard to notice um, and so the victimizing story is the one where we say we blame or we say that we can't do something for some reason because we are so bad at something or that we are not worthy so if we say that they have the gear, gear. <laughs> you're making an excuse that by saying that it gives you an excuse for, you know, I have no money. And so there's a reason why it's not that I'm not worthy. You know, it's not that I'm not a good enough mountain biker, which could cause you if you if you allowed yourself to think, I mean, this is really dramatic, because I don't think <laughs> you, you could say, Oh, I'm not a good mountain biker, therefore, I'm not worthy. And then your brain brain just jumps to death, right? <laughs> that's just what your brain thinks. And so I don't think that's what necessarily our minds go through in that scenario. But in types of scenarios like that, where you're giving yourself a story type excuse, where you're saying, I have this reason, it protects you from that feeling that wouldn't, that would be there if you didn't make up that story. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> On that note, though, that you said that your brain jumps from word, I'm, uh, what, I'm not a good mountain biker, I'm not worthy, death. Uh, death. I think my brain, I realize, actually goes there for a lot of my sports, and I realized after doing Gabby's Flow State Warriors course, that one of my self-loving beliefs is that sports and nature want to kill me. <laughs> and so that's something I've been current I've been working on, but it's very hard. I noticed like when you notice those um what is it, stories you tell yourself of uh, the insecurity one, not the narcissist one, that, oh, the, it's the gear, it's this. It's, it can be really hard for people, don't you think, to um, recognize that story because there's a balance to it because I know for a lot of people, when they notice that they have that story they tell themselves, they feel like they're invalidating their feelings. That they So some people, you may like actually have traumas or things that hurt you that you're making into a story, and those feelings are valid, but they can also be still a story. Does that make sense in what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah, well, I think what you're, what you're first saying about if it invalidates, I think it's more important to recognize it and not invalidate it. Rather, what sucks most is that you actually have to sit with the emotion and that sitting process of an emotion is too much for a, a lot of people to handle. And I can say that just as someone who I do not like emotions, like it just does not. They're not functional. They're not functional. <laughs> and so the, when you feel that you're like, ah, shoot, I actually have to deal with this instead of like being able, if you tell yourself a story, you can just avoid it in, as a whole. But if you, uh, you have to feel it. And, and this is where like, where I say my, the warrior mindset comes in. You, you think like non-resistance. You let it come in. You don't have to resist the emotion. And if you practice non-resistance, it, it flows in. You integrate with it and it moves on. And you live your life present. I think in the simplest form, and I was going to ask you about personality too, but maybe for my wiring, it's um, the only reason we've been able to live the lifestyle we do is because for me, that part, I can jump really quick to what's the worst case scenario. I know like worst case scenario, even when we sold all of our stuff, worst case scenario, we get another job, we buy more stuff, we find a house to rent eventually. Things that are like the, some of the, now granted maybe for some of the small things, uh, in fact, next week when we're rock climbing, you can scream up at the wall at me, mom, what's the worst thing that can happen as I'm chickening out on lead climb? But same type of thing, like you, 
uh, there's, I, I don't know, some people, maybe it's easier to go to like that. What is the worst thing that can happen? And, some and, people and don't we want are to... kind of like straying the conversation away from, I mean, I think that um, straying it away from the social rejection because. Yeah, because worthiness, right. Right. Oh, there I go, drawing it to many again. <laughs> Mom, keep it in the self-worth. No, 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 um, you can't. I was just thinking well, like how. Uh, when, yeah, yeah, I, I feel you. Um, the personality one though you said about the amygdala that I thought was interesting. So do you think certain personality types, because you said they, the amygdala, you know, it holds on to these trapped uh, memories. So if you happen to be an SI type, are you going to be more likely? Or if like one of your first functions is SI, you're going to be? Correct, which then comes back to nurture. Right. And I think some, so yes. Maybe we could people explain are, that to people because that's a complex so thing. I but think Isabel is best to explain the cognitive functions. Yeah. Well, I was also going to say though, everyone, I'll jump back to this and explain this for the listeners, but also everyone has an SI function. So probably everyone deals with it. It just depends on How where dominant. in your brain it comes into action. So in the Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI, there are these cognitive functions. You probably know, if you know your Myers-Briggs type, there's your ISTP, ENFJ, but it's broken down into the fun- the cognitive functions, how your brain processes. So there's FE, like initials, F and E, FI, SE, SI, TE, TI, NE, and NI. And you have two E ones and two I ones, two extroverted, two introverted. They control that total of how you process feelings, uh, how you think, how you process ideas, how you process reality, and they control how you perceive reality. And they're all in an order. They go from function of your most dominant one to the one you struggle the most with. And you have four out of eight. So say for instance, I am an ISTP. So my dominant function is TI. That means my first function that my brain goes to when I'm interacting with reality is that I'm taking in information from my surroundings and processing them and putting it into boxes to fully understand them. Which is why she's describing this right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I know because I have she's, all the her information. Ti is so good at this. Okay. Whereas uh, Gabby and Robin, Gabby and my mom's, theirs a dominant function is. NI, so theirs is intuitive introversion. So they're t- seeing reality and they're not taking it and putting it into boxes. They're taking it and putting it into ideas. They see, I, for instance, say you're at the beach and you're walking out to surf. I will see a van and say, hey, did you notice that that van was a Alaska license plate? That's really far from here. That's pretty cool that they drove here. Whereas they would see, oh, there's a van there and they had a converted out slide. I want to convert the slide on our RV so that we can make it so that maybe we can put out the slide and then it extends out into a bed or something like that. That's more like what they're thinking. I thought you were going to say that I could see the set coming in that's not even there yet based on the wave that's breaking currently. Could be that. They probably wouldn't even notice that there's a car there. Uh, so you probably wouldn't. We were... now, and that also has to do with her SE function. So I think that, explain mostly the SE, SI one for this. Yeah, so the there. SE and the SI, those are your observant functions. That is how you process reality and process um, observing thoughts, no ideas. So that is mostly based on memory and reality. If you're SE, you're going to be present focused. They're about experiences and seeing reality as it is now. And it's very much in a way many per of how does this interact with me right now? It's a very much, you can see self-worth based, um, like how, same way that self-worth based thinking is. It's interaction with reality as it is That's right now. That's true, yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, whereas SI is 
both still observant of their surroundings, but they're more focused on the past and how things interact with them in the past. These people are very much, um, my dad is an SI type and he's always thinking about the past, reminiscing about the past, like replaying films of memories in his head. And the reason that we're tying in the cognitive functions to self-worth is that by having a dominant of that SI or SE, you're going to be naturally more focused on like present moment and in the past of how memories observant, uh, how reality is interacting with you rather than that idea brain. And so if you have more of that dominant function, what it's not that you have more self-worth problems, but it's going to be something that you face more first, wouldn't you say? Um, well, I think you're, what, what did this have to well, do with the Well, my question is because if, right? if, it's, if it's in the amygdala and I'm thinking that certain personalities are are going to be naturally say there's say you go to post something you're really passionate about on instagram but then all of a sudden you're like oh i can't say that because you're if you're si dominant you might remember more readily uh, a negative experience of uh, an actual time of rejection stored in your amygdala more likely than maybe an se type also had that rejection but maybe their mind just stays more present on Oh, but last week I got positive reinforcement, so so it's almost like a tipping yeah, scale. Yeah, it's that possible. I think definitely. I think there are probably exceptions, but but that does seem logical that it would be that way. I think another thing that this this is gonna sound totally woo woo, but <laughs> um, I don't know. I I haven't memorized the actual science of this, but you know, people have people have generational traumas stored in their cells. Oh, yeah. So I think if you come from a family who, if your parent or your grandparent or your great-grandparent experienced high amounts of shame, like the whatever their ingrained belief systems were and their experiences in life, then it gets passed down to you unconsciously. So you're, you're just, you don't have an actual memory of feeling that social rejection, but you feel it. You feel it even as if it was, were your own memory. That's really woo-woo, but I totally believe in it. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, like I'm going to have to bring up, bring up the science of it one day. <laughs> we're going to have to do a past karma. And, oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. That's really good, really insightful. So we'll let's bring it back like more simplistic because um, we did go down quite the rabbit hole of cognitive function. So if we overwhelmed you, we're sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> but... At the simplest form of like, what can we, what do you think people, like how did you work through it and in the most simplest form of like rewriting that story or like creating this thing called divine worth? That's a great question. So I think there are three tangible practices and then one um, one more complex practice. And then, so the, the three simplest ones I think are one, to choose your values because um, if you are proactive in your life, you are not reactive in life. And so uh, having feelings of unworthiness is a reaction. Something happens in your life and then you react with an emotion which makes you feel a certain way. And But if you decide to go into situations in your life with pre-decided on what you value in your life and what you value in yourself, then you're not dependent on what other people say. You're dependent on whether you showed up in the full expression of what you expected yourself to show up in. So you, let's say, you know, you're, you could have a value that's challenged, right? Um, if you were to show up and, you know, you don't have the expectation that you want to do really well at, or succeed or have an achievement when you go climb, you have the expect, expectation on yourself to challenge yourself. And that's something that comes from within. So it's not dependent on your external reality. 
Um, and you can hold yourself accountable to that because it's your own expectation. And so if you show up, you can say, I want to challenge yourself and you challenge yourself. Well, you're never going to really end up in that situation um, feeling unworthy because you have always fulfilled your own expectation of yourself. So that's the first one. I that's, love that one. I mean, it's chime in real quick. Like I've had my kids we've multiple times written down what we think our five top values are. But when she was saying that, I was thinking, man, we need to all write them down on and like post them on our refrigerator just as a reminder, because in our family, we're all very aware of each other's Enneagram and Myers-Briggs. And so I know that achievement's important to Gabby and peace is important to Isabel and fun is important to Jariah. But I think like what she's saying, I was thinking about how much if we just if we just remember um, like feeling special is important to my husband. If I had that cue where I'm like looking and saying like, oh, I need to remember to make it that this is important, then people we love, it's easier for us to um, to nurture that when we're yep. more aware of it. And I think it would also probably, if you were gonna go that route, do, it would do people well to write down what, you know, maybe think about what your most obvious values are. And then uh, there are, now people would argue on this on whether it's philosophical to say this or not, but I, I think there are bad values and there are good values. And bad values, and this is just in terms of worthiness, there are bad values that will always leave you feeling unworthy and there are good values that will leave you feeling um, worthy. Um, good values are intrinsic and they come from within. Bad values are dependent on the external reality. So you said two of those that I wanted to mention. Mine used to be achievement. Um, and it, it still is to an extent because it's going to always be present and that has to do with your Enneagram. You're going to have, depending on your Enneagram, you're going to have a, va a, a quote unquote bad value that's um, extrinsic and depending on the external reality. And your goal is to be aware of that and always flip it into your good value. Because if I say, if I value achievement, then that's always dependent on the external reality. Like what's achievement? It's all proportional. It's a proportional depending on what the external world decides is a good thing, is a good level of achievement, you know? And so I have to flip my value of achievement into power. Like I want to see what my potential is. Power and potential are what I flip my achievement to. And if I'm coming from a place of pushing myself to my full potential and my full power, then I become, when I feel worthy of myself when I do certain things. And so when you say so special my, too, um, special is dependent on if, if that's an intrinsic process, like I want to feel special. I don't know if that's a, a it's hard. I can't say if that's intrinsic or not, but if it's dependent on if someone else tells mm -hmm. you you're special, then that's obviously not going right. to leave you feeling worthy. Like for mine, I have mine kind of got flipped from challenge to experience. Well, so, yeah. And right? I think even challenge, you, you already have good values. You're good. <laughs> no, both of the, but yeah, because challenge is coming from within, don't you think? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. It's kind um, of one the same. Okay. What's number two? So it. number two is to sit with your emotions. And we kind of talked on that briefly. Um, and sitting with your emotions is the sim most simple process of becoming um, becoming present to your negative emotions. If you can't deal with your negative emotions, it's usually a symptom that you don't feel worthy because everyone at their core has a small extent of worthy of feeling unworthy, whether they, it's, you know, depending on the person. Um, and so if you can't, if you sit with your emotions, you start integrating with, ooh, I have this negative thing that I'm trying to avoid. And the only way to overcome that feeling, that negative feeling you're trying to avoid is to sit with it. And it, it sucks because it does take a long time. And so if you, you have to have a routine practice, oh, okay, this practice, this emotion is going to come up. I'm going to sit with it. But if you do it one time and then you stop doing it, then you're not sitting with your emotions. And that, that's the, the whole warrior mindset of non-resistance 
is about letting things come and letting things go and being like water, being fluid in what comes into your life and then releasing it and letting go. Yeah, and this is definitely why meditation can be so useful, but also can can be not so useful. Is is what we're right doing with that with that time? Are we are we just sitting, which is great if we started with just sitting, but if we're not sitting and like paying attention to that movement of thought, it's not like we want attachment to that thought or emotion or feeling. But um, I notice like, that's you know so a lot of people come to me like, oh, I meditate all the time, but you know I'm still really not where I want to be or not happy or. Um, go well like what what are what's what's happening in that time like where are those thoughts and feelings taking you and what insight are they providing yeah and the last one and I think Isabel's really um, good at this one or knows a lot about this one um, it's kind of what she like specializes in on her YouTube channel is to create without fear and to fully self fully express yourself oh yeah definitely because right you said the sacral chakra whether you believe in the chakras or not it's a great framework and you can like detach from the chakras philosophy if you want to but the action is still the same because it ties in so well um the sacral chakra controls our self-worth but it also controls our joy and our inner child and our vulnerability so any activity that embraces that creativity and allows you to be playful is going to change your self-worth so much because you can't create and desire perfection at the same time you if you're being purely creative and allowing your creative juices to flow you can't let worthiness into the route, into the stadium, into the onto the uh, podium. You have to just allow yourself to express what you feel. And so, whether that's you know painting or a creative ac- uh, exercise, that's great. But also, um, like I always tell people, just have more dance parties, dance, be playful, do something that makes you feel like a child again, climb a tree because it lets that authenticity out, it lets that playfulness out, it allows you to be just vulnerable and learn. That's perfect. And the last one that I was going to say that the the more complex, bigger scale is to get to the root of perhaps the, the key moments in your life where you picked up on the idea that you weren't worthy. Because when you realize that, you know, one, you're going to realize, oh, that's kind of irrational that I'm associating my whole life to this moment. And it's okay because your brain is the one. It's not your own fault. It's your brain that just that knows it needs to remember you know there's a statistic in the buddha's brain that the the mind remembers negative memories like how many times more five times more than positive memories and it's because of that it's trying to protect you from danger the mind's primary role the primal brain's main role is to protect you from from danger and so if you realize those moments yes they're gonna still kind of be dominant in your brain but you can at least recognize when a, a feeling comes up oh i feel unworthy right now or i don't feel like i'm enough right now um this is coming from that moment, and that moment's a really, really ridiculous for me to keep holding on to, and I'm just gonna show up in my life fully present because I am creating the life I choose. So I'm gonna finish off with some uh, a little insight that I've had personally as far as where uh, detaching from my self-worth came and maybe why I'm so passionate about our RV life and travel life is uh, for so long, for so long I cared about what my house looked like. And it was like, you know, it had to look like a model house, and I spent all my day cleaning it and making it look perfect and oh my gosh heaven forbid somebody came over to my house and it wasn't immaculate and it didn't look like a pottery barn catalog and I remember that like getting to a moment where I recognized like this is ridiculous and as I surf started surfing more and started camping more I realized I started letting go of like wow like there was this I was very aware that there was never enough 
it was never clean enough it was never organized enough it just was never enough and then i for me at least i was able to start doing stuff enough things physical activities being in nature surfing like you said uh, just sitting on the beach camping that i was able to notice like wow i feel so good in just like my body and then i'd eventually get to like where i went home and like I really don't care come over my house is a mess I don't care and then it went so far as to like when we moved to an RV really like getting to a point where I like nobody's gonna see our RV so we really don't care what it looks yeah, like no, people saw our <laughs> RV now they'd be traumatized <laughs> but it got to this point that I was like I mean it needs to be clean enough for our own sanity but not for like any any um, worthiness or proving ourselves, like, look at our Instagram famous RVs. Yeah, it just, we didn't do that because there was so much uh, inner fulfillment, inner, uh, I guess, inner worthiness that we were creating. So that's kind of how it happened for me. It's kind of weird to say that, like, letting go of how my house looked allowed me to find self-worth within, but it it kind of did, (laughs) if that makes any sense. That makes sense, for sure. So... All right, you guys, thank you. I think that was an awesome. Do you guys feel awakened this Wednesday morning? Wednesday you know, I afternoon? I that we kind of stole that from JP Sears, but. Yeah, well, you know, still like an artist. You can still. <laughs> the anti woke Wednesday. Anti woke Wednesday. <laughs> All right, I hope you guys have an amazing Wednesday. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you haven't written us a review, we'd really appreciate it.